So for, for this, what we're going to do this morning, you are going to need your Bible. So if, if you don't have a Bible, I highly encourage you to get close to somebody. Remember back in the day where you had to share Bibles with somebody instead of having it on your phone? So do that. And also, I'm going to ask all of you guys to come closer. That means, that was, I think that was English. Get up and come this way, please. As close as you can. I am attached to this thing, and there is a... Is there an imaginary line still, Cameron? No? Oh. Thank you. You can come up here if you want. There you go, yeah. Sorry. Um, I'm going to be... Teaching for you guys, uh, you can sit down, you can have a seat, you don't, you don't have to stand. Awesome, thank you guys. Come on up, come on up, don't be afraid. There's more seats in the front. Awesome, thank you so much. Yes, sorry to do this, uh, uh, I've been known every time that I teach that people do not stay seated. So this could not be the exception. So. Um, but thank you. Uh, one, one of the things I do want to share with you before we jump into what we're uh, talking this morning is I'm going to be uh, leaving to Colombia. Uh, so I'm leaving again the country, uh, still northern of the hemisphere. So I'm still on the same side of the hemisphere in Colombia, uh, South America. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm going to be there for 10 days. I'm going to be teaching and uh, going to be sharing a lot there with our brothers in Colombia. So just continue praying. Uh, for me and my family, too, uh, Courtney and the kids, as they stay behind. It's a very busy season in our lives. Um, but this morning is story time, and I love it. I love it just simply because it's, uh, it's kind of part of uh, how, I, how I teach, how I, uh, I love to bring a message. And uh, uh, we're just going to talk about Acts 8. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and find Acts 8. We're going to be jumping back and forth. Uh, in, in those chapters, but uh, um, I want to read, it, and you have it on your uh, worship guide, okay, so go ahead, if, if, go ahead and grab your worship guide, and I'm going to read this, okay, and before we read anything, I want your eyes to be focused on this passage, what I'm going to read, and this is going to be the center of what we uh, are going to focus today. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shredder, it's silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. We're talking about Jesus today, big time. This is the story of uh, Philip and the eunuch. It's, uh, some of us, if you have been in church for a while, uh, you probably have heard this story before. And uh, uh, it is a very, um, very key moment in history in, in church. Uh, it, depending on what tradition you come in, uh, this is the first um, Gentile person outside the faith from the Israelites that comes to faith. 
And uh, it, it, it describes it as, as a prophecy. It's, a, it's being taught for centuries before this happened that the gospel, that salvation was going to go on spur beyond his people, beyond the Israelites. And it's happening. This is this story that we're going to talk about. So um, in the story, like any story, you have a beginning, you have a middle, and you have an end. And we're going to take the perspective of Philip as, as his perspective of the beginning, how the story starts, what happens in the middle, and how he ends this story. And if you look at it, uh, you're going to figure it out. Like in Acts 8.26, if you look at it, the story starts with, depends what version you are, is, it says, now or so. And if any story, you can start with, it, okay, now, it's like, now what? Or like, something happened. So go ahead and flip all the way back, okay, to Acts 7. If you're reading Acts 7, this is the famous story about Stephen. Remember Stephen? He got stoned. This is the first martyr, okay? There is a, this is a very uh, dangerous moment in the church. Stephen is in front of uh, um, the Pharisees in, in the church, in the uh, sanctuary, and uh, he's sharing who Christ is, what he has done. And as he's sharing this, uh, and you can read this, you can take notes, whatever, but I'm just going to say it in the story type. Um, he calls them out. Verse 51 in chapter 7, it says, You men who are stiff-necked. This is like big time. He's like cussing them out and saying, You stubborn people. And this people react in an amazing way. This is, this is people when they hear, they hear about Jesus, they were like holding back. And then this guy, Stephen, gets up and tells them, You stiff-necked. You uncircumcised. You dummies. And these people react in a way that it, it, sh it should shock you. Because they get up, they grab Stephen, they pull him outside, and they kill him. In the middle of that, we know the story. The Stephen is filled with the Spirit. And he presents his life before God. But this is the scenario where the church is. This is the setting where Philip's story happens. They just kill somebody because he believed in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't like a, okay, a, a trial or anything like that. They just dragged him out, and they were enraged, picked up stones, and they hit him over and over and over until he died. And in the midst of this, there's this young man, Saul. Chapter 8, Saul was in a hearty agreement with putting him to death. This is this young man who's taking everybody's coats while they're stoning Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. All of a sudden, like this, this moment of violence makes that the church has to go everywhere. 
everybody's running for their life. This is not a happy moment. This is not a moment of celebration necessarily in the church. This is the setting. This is where Philip's story happens. Interesting enough, in, 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 in this story of, of uh, uh, Stephen dying and Saul stepping up and just enraging against the church, and if you keep reading, it says, but Saul began, in verse 3, but Saul began ravaging the church. Like, he was really ticked off, and he's just going at it. Entering house after house and dragging off men and women he would put them in prison. This is not a safe place. If you're a Christian, any minute, Paul will come in, break into your house, and drag you out. This is happening when Philip's story is about to happen. This is, this is, this, this is the conversations that are happening in the communities. This is not a good place to be. Yet, if you keep reading, Philip goes into Samaria, okay? And a lot of us, and this is a, a little bit just kind of uh, a clarification. Uh, a lot of us have believed that this is Philip the Apostle, one of the 12. Uh, it's not, okay? This is one of the seven. If you read a little bit before, okay, the, uh, the apostles appointed seven people, okay, to take care of some of the uh, issues that were going on in the church at the time. Philip is one of them. Actually, by history, in history, we know him as Philip the evangelist. And uh, Paul refers to him, actually, later on, he lives in Caesarea. Okay, uh, we'll, that's where the story ends. But Paul ends up staying with him. And he had four daughters, and they were uh, prophecy, uh, prof, prophets, prof, the female side of prophets. Sure, okay? So, um, yeah, so th this is a guy. This is not the apostle. This is somebody else, okay? So that's, it doesn't change much of the story other than this is kind of like the growth of the gospel. And this guy is walking out of Jerusalem, and he goes into Samaria, and he's sharing the gospel, and miracles are happening, and people are becoming believers, and they believe in Jesus. Remember what is happening. Paul is breaking into people's houses and dragging them out. And the story behind that is one dude getting stoned to death. Yet people are believing in Christ. That's the power of the Spirit. Jesus is a move. God is a move. His kingdom is growing. And this is not exception. So Philip goes in, he's sharing, he finds this guy, Simon, he's a Magi, you know, doing something weird. We're not going to get into that. He gets into the point of like he believes, right? He gets baptized. Philip calls Peter and John to come in to check out the progression, the growth of the church. And this guy gets called on. And it's, a, it's key to understand this. Uh, it, if we read in verse... Uh, well, the story 9, it goes 9 through 25th, but if you read verse 21, John and Peter confront Simon about his becoming a believer. And he says, you have no part or portion in this matter. 
What Simon wanted to do, he wanted the power of the, uh, all those miracles and things that uh, Philip was doing. He wanted that power. And he decided to pay him. He said, I want to buy this power. And this is when John and Peter come in and say, you don't have any matter on this. For your heart is not right before God. For your heart is not right before God. And we need to remember part of the setting, okay, this is a very violent moment, yet amazing things are happening. This is a still a heart matter. We're not talking about things happening. We're not talking about people being killed. We're not talking about this dude breaking into your house. We're not talking about many people coming to Christ. This is a heart matter. And this story is right here to remind us of this. To remind us that when Christ comes into our lives, this is a heart matter. This is not a setting matter. This has nothing to do with what's going on in history. This has everything to do with what Christ is doing in your heart. And Simon got confronted with this. Philip saw this. Rejoice. It's happening. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Joy. Joy. Joyness. It's happening in Samaria. A lot of things are happening. But this is a good reminder that the story that we're going to look at in Philip, it's a heart matter. Let's remember this. When we look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is about your heart. Wherever you are, any setting you are in, even if it's as extreme as this setting. So we enter into the story. So that's the setting. That's like, kind of like the, what we're stepping into, okay? Now, as, as a uh, uh, summary, okay, we need to understand this. Three things. If you want to write three things, these are the three things you probably want to write. Is that this story starts with God instruction. This is a God thing. Second, it's the middle, the heart of the story is about Christ. And third, that when the story ends, this is God's kingdom moving. Even though we're going to use Philip and the eunuch as a story, we have used Simon, John, Peter, Stephen. This is not about them. This is not about you. This is about Christ, God, His kingdom at move. And that's how it starts, the story. Verse 26, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet, prophet Isaiah. So this is the beginning of this story. We're just starting the story. We have Philip, who has this pretty uh, crazy background Okay, he is seen, he's part of the church in Jerusalem, 
then the Stephen thing, then the Paul thing, then the Simon thing. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, you got to go this way. Now, you have to understand that, uh, let's say, Jerusalem is that way, right? And there is two ways to go to Jerusalem. It's this way and this way, okay? But the road in the middle is actually going towards Egypt. And that's the road that the angel of the Lord tells him. Now, there is no one in that road. This is a deserted road. And it doesn't mean that it's all, like, uh, sandy. Like, it's, a, it's not the Sahara, kind of. It's like no one goes through that because you have either this road or this road. So for an evangelist, for somebody whose job is to go and share the gospel, to get into Samaria and get thousands of people to listen to the gospel, to go to a place where not many people go, it just doesn't make any sense. Yet the Lord tells him to go there. And the first thing that he does is he does it. He gets up. And he goes. But when he steps in to this, this uh, 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 road, in, into this place, he realizes that there is this uh, um, chariot going. And it's kind of like, uh, sometimes we, we think about Ethiopians and the eunuch as like a, a slave or whatever. It's actually all the contrary, okay? This is a group of people that they're moving and the main guy is this eunuch. So he is the treasure of a queen from Ethiopia. Now, back then, this kingship or this kingdom of Ethiopia is closer to what we know where Sudan is. Okay? And this is a pretty big deal. Like, this is not just one servant. This is not just one dude. This is a very important influential person for the kingdom of Ethiopia. And all we know about this guy is he's a eunuch, which it was a tradition at the time, okay, for somebody to be part of this very influential part of the kingdom, to be a eunuch, okay, he could not have uh, babies, all right? And he was traveling in a chariot, which shows us that he wasn't either walking or on top of an animal, which that was the most common way to travel. He was actually on a chariot. And not only that, but he was reading something from the Bible, which meant he knew how to read, and he also had a portion of Scripture on his hand. Now, remember, this is not like he didn't have an iPhone. He had a portion of Scripture, and he was reading. Now, the tradition back then is when people read, like today we read in, in silence, People back then used to read out loud. They'll be walking around and they'll be reading. And this is what he's doing. He's in the chariot, okay? And only certain people get close to this chariot. And he's reading out loud, so everybody's listening. But he's being taken back home. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So out of that, we can deduce that this dude kind of believe in Judaism, kind of had heard something about, you know, this Israelite life, and he had gone there to worship. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, the Judaism rules and, and regulations, he could not be Jew. There was no space for him to enter into Judaism because he was a eunuch, and he was from a different country. 
different people group. There was no way that he could be part of the selected ones. Yet he had traveled back and wanted to be part of that, to worship. He went back to worship. And now he's reading scripture. So he gets into this situation, Philip does. He's on a deserted uh, road. Out of obedience, in verse 27, he goes, okay? And the big question for you to kind of push into you is, are you where God wants you to be, like Philip? Now, the story of the eunuch, it's amazing. God is preparing something. But are you where God wants you to be? Even if it doesn't make any sense. Are you where God wants? wants you to be. It's a a question of a setting versus obedience. Are you obeying where you are or are you just doing life because of the setting that you're in? Does it make sense? Like are you just going day after day because that's where you are or are you obeying Christ and what he has called you to be and to do? regardless of where you are. Because that's what Philip was doing. But the story continues, and this is the second thing. I want, I want you to notice the first part, the spirit, the angel of the Lord tells them. The second part, verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. This is the spirit of the Lord. Again, remember, this is not about Philip is God telling him. God saying, hey, go do this. And guess what he does? Verse 30, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a God thing. First of all, this very important dude is going on his chariot. No one else gets on it. Philip gets called into this thing. He hears him. He runs up to him and said, what are you reading? And he's like, ah, I'm reading this thing. Come on up. He gets up and he reads this again. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his uh, shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. You can find this in Isaiah 53. This is a portion, this is verse 7 and 8 of Isaiah 53. And the eunuch, he was confused. He was like, Who are you talking about? If you read on verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Now, you you need to read a little bit more than that, and and you will find out that in uh, in Isaiah 49, uh, the prophet makes a difference between the Israelites, the people of Israel, and the servant. So, I think and we think that uh, uh, the eunuch was confused. Like, is he talking about Israel? Is he talking about Jesus? Is he talking about the servant? Who's the servant? He didn't know about Jesus yet or anything, right? But he's like, who is he talking about? But he was just confused. He had been reading Isaiah. 
So he's confused at that point. And then Philip takes the stage. And this is the coolest thing. This morning I was telling Spencer, I was uh, getting ready, and I was like, I wonder what he did. You know, when he reads it, he said, who, who, is, who is this? And Philip sits down and says, dude, let me tell you, you just missed it. About 30 years ago, just give or take, 30, 34 years old, this baby was born. Amazing things happen. First, it was like this girl who's a virgin, had a baby, and this dude that kept saying that he had a dream, they, got, they went to Bethlehem, and then this shepherds, and then a couple of years later, this magi showed up. I think they come from where you come from, but they showed up, but they didn't know. And then 12 years later, he's on the uh, on, on church, and he's teaching, and then he disappears. We don't know what happened with him, but about 30 years old, he shows up again. And he starts doing miracles. And he grabs 12 dudes, man, out of nowhere. I mean, these are like the losers of the losers. And he picks them up. He starts teaching and walking all over the place, doing miracles, touching people. People can see. It's, it's just crazy. And he kept talking about the kingdom moving. And he talking about a day will come where he had to die. None of us wanted him to die. Yet he kept saying it's needed. And he kept referring to this thing in the Old Testament. You know, like, you know what we do, you know, in the Old Testament. We show up and we have to give the sacrifices. And every so often we got to be sorry about all the things. But, you know, we, we can't see God and he cannot see us because we screw up and all the stuff. And we needed a Messiah. And we didn't know when he was going to come. And we found him. This is Jesus. And he came and he taught us of the kingdom of God that will come, that is here, that is among us. And he told us that he was going to die, that he was going to give his life for us. We did not believe him. One day we enter into Jerusalem and we walk in and there's thousands of people welcoming us. It was amazing. And Jesus went crazy. He went to the uh, temple. He just kicked people out. Then he started talking about his death more and more. We didn't understand what he was saying. And then Judas turned him in. And then we start seeing this. He wouldn't say anything. He got beat. He got dragged, spit on. They even put a crown on his head. He bled beyond belief. They make him walk for a long time. And then they put him on the cross and he said nothing. Just like we do with sheep. Just take him out and slaughter them. We did that to him. My sin did that for him, to him. And we left that day. We didn't know what to think. We were scared. And then three days later, 
these women show up. And they're like, he's not there. And we go back, and he's not there. And all of a sudden, he shows up to all of us. And we know that he is Jesus, the one that saved us from the death, the one that will come. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. This story played out in my head for the past three weeks since I've been practicing this, preparing for this. And this morning I was like, my goodness. If you have not heard the story of Jesus Christ, this is it. This is it. And if you don't get excited about it, if you don't get like, (gasps) it's here. Here it is. There's no more than that. This is the story of Philip and the eunuch. It's about Christ. He came. He died. He gave his life for us to set us free. And he resurrected to give us hope. This is the Christ that we adore. This is the God that we worship. And we see a Philip in front of this eunuch, Ethiopian, that had nothing to do, nothing to do with history, asking about him. If you know the story, the story continues. And uh, I guess at some point, you know, uh, and I know we're May for Missions, Missions for May. And uh, we use a lot of Matthew uh, 28 passage, right? And uh, I guess Philip gets to that point, right? It's like, hey, and we went to the mountain, and the disciples saw him getting up. And before he left, he said, hey, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught you, and I'll be with you. And the Ethiopian says, wait a minute. So that I need to get baptized. i got to be all in in this thing. This is not halfway in. Now, I had an experience two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we had Easter Sunday. And as a family, every Easter, we go up to North Carolina with my in-laws. And we went to their church on Saturday night, you know, just like any other year with them. And the pastor is teaching on Titus 2. I'm never going to forget that. And in the middle of, of the teaching, I looked over and I see my daughter, Lily, uh, getting close to my wife, which is uncommon if you know Lily, um, and she's just crying. And I asked permission to share, so I'm good, right, Lily? Good. Uh, if not, too late. All right. And I'm like looking over and I'm like, what's going on? And my wife leans over and is like, hey, Lily's getting baptized. Go get Caleb. According to Courtney, this is the first time I've obeyed like that. <laughs> I don't know, but sure. I got up when I got Caleb. He was in Sunday school. We came out. All that row, my in-laws, my daughter, Marley, 
Caleb and I were like just sobbing, just crying, you know, we're like, what's going on? We're in, we're visiting a church, we don't know what the church is going to do with this. We, I don't even know if they have baptismals that night, like I'm like, you want to get baptized, but I don't even know if there's water. So in my head, it's like, we're going to get back home. I have to fill up the tub. I have to, what am I going to do? You know, all this, all this thing is going on in my head. And, it, and the guy keeps preaching and preaching. And we're like, oh, my goodness, is, is he going to say, yes, we're going to baptize or not? And I'm like, this is not going to happen. And she's like, I'm getting baptized. I'm getting baptized. Like, today is the day. I don't care, you know pull out a hose and hose me down. I don't know. I'm like, baby, I'm just trying to kind of, you know, the logistics of it and all that. And it happened. You know, at the end, they just kind of opened up and said, okay, whoever wants to come, come up. And they had a, a tub or something there, and, they, and she got baptized. And um, it reminded me uh, of when my first daughter got baptized. So if you know anything about me, I'm like an outdoor kind of guy. And I want to baptize my kid. You know, there's my dreams as a father. I want to baptize my kid. And I want to baptize them on a raging river, right? It's like, go for it, right? And two years ago, we're going to, it's the first year that we don't baptize people in the gorge. And we decide to bring a tub next to a lake. And I'm like, really? And uh, when I went to baptize my daughter, I was like, hey, Marley, how about if we jump in the lake, you know? And she turns around and she's like, this is not about you. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> and Lily goes up and uh, the guy that is asking him is like, do you want your father and your mother to baptize you? And she goes like, I don't care. This is not about them. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> but it's not about us. It's a heart, their heart, my heart, but it's about him. And I truly believe that the eunuch, when he got to that point, okay, and when you read verse 37, it's in some of our Bibles, our own parentheses, uh, and it says, where am I, sorry, verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The reason why it's on parenthesis is because this portion is not on the oldest um, manuscripts. Okay, this was added afterwards. So this is a moment that something happened in his heart. Remember the Simon thing? This was a heart thing. Something happened. And when it happened, he knew. And when he knew, he needed to obey. And part of it was to go all in. So the story continues, and they found a puddle. And they stopped the chariot. They went down, and he got baptized. He was all in. This guy from this exotic country, dynasty, queenship, whatever it is, huge influence was all in for Christ. If you know anything about the world story, something happened there. We don't know if this was it or not, but Christ's word just went viral there. My brother, uh, 
he adopted two girls from Ethiopia several years ago, two nieces, you know, Maya and Layla. And when they first started learning English or whatever, we were talking, and it just kind of daunted on me, like, oh, they're from Ethiopia. I wonder if they have ever heard this story. They haven't. But they have heard about Christ. I don't know how. They don't know how. No one knows how. But when they met Christ here, he made sense to them, just like that. And the reality is that this is not about Philip or the eunuch or you or I. This is about Christ and his kingdom at move. And the story ends. The story says that uh, immediately after that, Philip was snatched by the Spirit. Again, the third point, right? The first, the, the Spirit of the, the angel of the Lord tells him to go. Then the Spirit of the Lord tells him to talk. And then uh, the Spirit snatched them out. This is not about Philip. It's about God. God is doing this. He gets snatched. And if you want to look at it geographically, like, the, remember they were going this way? Philip shows up over there. He ends up in Caesarea, and the kingdom of the Lord grows immensely to the point that uh, Paul, later on, okay, chapter 21 in Acts, he ends up with Philip in Caesarea. And there's a great movement of the church there. But that's a story. And with that story, I, I do want to invite you, and, and I, I want to remind you what is this all about. Matthew 26, 26, it talks about this moment. A lot, of, a lot of us read this as a ceremony. You have to remember, when you read in Matthew, there is a, a, it's dinner. It says, while they were eating, while they're just munching at it, they're going at it on the table, Jesus says, okay, guys, pay attention. I'm going to say something very important here. Just like the eunuch was reading. So remember, remember that story about the sheep going to the slaughterhouse? Remember that the body needed to be destroyed and ripped. Not destroyed, but ripped. It's just like this. Check this out. You see this? This is my body broken for you. And this is my body just kind of ripping for you. Take this and remember me. But then he takes the wine and he pours it out and you see and he says, you see this? This is my blood that is dripped, spilled, given for you. This is a new covenant. And every time you take out of this bread, and every time you take out of this cup, remember what happened on that cross. Remember that Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I to have eternal life. This is about him. And we are in a setting, guys, we're in a part of history in the world that we need to tell 
this story to our kids, to the next generation, to our neighbors. And if we can get in an airplane and travel, go for it. People need the story. Philip knew it. The apostles knew it. They heard Jesus say that, go and make disciples. So this morning, this is for you. For you to remember, this is in your heart, God calling you. This is for you, that his body was broken and his blood was given. Now go and tell everybody about this. The cool thing about the story is that most likely the eunuch kept reading. And if you continue reading the story of Isaiah, you get to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verse 3. This is where, if, if your mind goes, wow, this is a God thing, it is. Verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has, who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. We're talking about a eunuch. I wonder if he was reading that and was like, What? The gospel is for everyone. Jesus made it happen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Father, I pray that as, uh, as we take communion together, that we'll remember you. That we'll remember that you came, that you live like us, that you gave your life in sacrifice like a sheep taken to a slaughter. You were silent for my sin. So, Father, I, 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 I give my life to you because three days later you resurrected to give us hope, hope of eternal life, hope to be with you for eternity. So, Father, I pray that as, as we take from the scop and we eat from the spread, that we'll announce you. It is you who we live for. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.